Hello, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability, anything impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor of Food Logistics and SDCE. And in this episode, we're discussing the issue of offshoring asking the question, is it time to reshore our supply chain operations? I discussed the issue with the Managing Director of Consulting Operations at PwC, Mark Hermans, who gives us uh, a look into the matter. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. I'm here with Mark Hermans of PwC. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for uh, for having me here. Thank you. So today we're just going to talk about that offsourcing issue, how so much has been outsourced, um, mostly to China and overseas, and how you know some people feel that it's time to reshore some of those outsourcing, um, especially with all of the the stressing that COVID nineteen has caused. So uh, first, I want to ask you, since the growth of e-commerce and globalization really has pushed, you know, like I said, so much outsourcing, um, what holes do you think COVID-19 exposed because of um, all this um, offshoring? Well, COVID-19 has exposed a number of um, vulnerabilities in in supply chains, but I think the, the main one is that it, um, it, it has exposed the risk of being uh, too concentrated and and not having a sufficiently kind of diversified supply chain. So, um, I mean, what what you can see is that um, a lot of supply chains were very dependent on one particular country or region. Um, that the supply chains had become very long, um, that had become very complex, um, that they had to become very reliant on kind of just in time uh, delivery. And um, and and now with COVID nineteen, um, a lot of kind of supply chain managers suddenly realized kind of how how exposed uh, the the supply chains were. So the, the yeah, if 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 you talk in holes, it's in terms of holes, it's it's kind of too complex, too concentrated, uh, um, too too long, and 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 being reliant on a very select number of manufacturing uh, facilities and, and suppliers. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really interesting because people have kind of known, you know, that we've been outsourcing so much of our processes and, you know, buying and suppliers, you know, offshore, but I, and, and, you know, Trump has done things to try and kind of keep move stuff more towards um, the United States, but I don't think anyone really realized the exposure that, you know, how exposed we were by having the supply chain be so long. But now that consumers since COVID-19 have, have seen a little bit of where the problems can come from, I think it's, it's going to spark a change. Do you, do you believe that? Well, I think overall um, it's, um, it's, it is causing everyone to kind of rethink uh, their, their supply chains. Uh, whether it's um, consumers, whether it is companies, but also um, suppliers, and um, and and I think there's a lot more awareness actually um, 
of, of the complexity of supply chains. I think there's much more awareness of kind of how global supply chains have become. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's much more awareness of kind of what is the trade-off between risk and, and cost efficiencies. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's driving a lot of you know, almost soul-searching now uh, within the supply chains to, to really you know, determine kind of what is the right balance and, and what is the right structure um, for, for the supply chains. Um, but but it's, I, I wouldn't say that it's, it's just um, COVID. I mean, overall, uh, we've, we've already seen that there has been a trend uh, over the last few years towards more uh, regional supply chains, and, and COVID has only um, acted as a, as a catalyst. Right. I mean, with, with, um, I mean, with some of the trade tensions, the tariffs, uh, with labor costs going up, particularly in China, um, a lot of companies had already started moving uh, production and, and suppliers around. So um, it's, it's more of an accelerator. Um, and, it, and it is a trend that had started a few years ago already. Do you personally think that it's time to reshore everything? Or do you think that there's a balance that can be had? It is more of a, a matter of rethinking and rebalancing and, and diversifying. Because... Um, on, on one hand, um, I mean, and it's, it depends by, by, by supply chain, right? So, I mean, for, for products that are mission critical, so think of medical supplies, think of national security, think of defense, electrical grid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is where uh, we'll, we'll see a lot more scrutiny on kind of, yeah, the, the, the structure of the supply chain. And, and I think we'll, we'll see a lot more nearshoring. Uh, there for for items that that were being imported um for for other products i think it's it depends because it's still it's still a balance between um yeah what what are the yeah what is the cost of a product what does it cost to produce and for so for some supply chains that means um still keeping it maybe offshore uh but maybe start to diversify so think of um, if everything was being produced in China, um, a lot of companies are, are now thinking about China plus one. Mm-hmm. So keep some production in China and, and move some production to uh, like Vietnam or Indonesia. Okay. Um, for, for other products, um, for example, more industrial products um, that are um, maybe somewhat large, yeah, um, there, it's maybe more a matter of nearshoring. So, um, for example, now you can um, the, the the cost of labor in in Mexico is lower than in China right now. For example, um, okay. so that's that happened about five years ago. So, for for some products like industrial products, um, for it's it can make sense to start moving production from China. Uh, to to Mexico and and being able to do it in a more cost efficient way as well, and having the benefit of being closer uh, mm-hmm. to to the U.S. Uh, to to the main end market, um, and and then for other products, it's it does uh, make sense to 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 reshore. So I mean, I mentioned the mission mission critical items, um, but but also for products where it is really important for the the brand to be kind of made in the USA. Um, okay. And and then also, um, 
if if there's not too much labor content um, involved in 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 the production of a product. So, for example, if it's relatively relatively easy to assemble or it can be manufactured with with a lot of automation, uh, those are also candidates um, for for reshoring. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a it's it's not an overarching kind of everything would would be reshored or or near short. It it really depends on on the price, the cost, and and the risk involved, mm-hmm. and the brand. You know, for the supply chain specific sectors and the brand itself, right? Absolutely, yes. So, how do you think it got to this point? Um, in the first place. I know I've done a lot of research and reporting on how, you know, it's changed in the last 20 years uh, because Mm -hmm. it's our 20th anniversary this year. Um, So we've been- (laughs) Thank you. So we've been taking a look back on, you know, our first issue and comparing it to today. Um, And I think a lot, I mean, the main thing of globalization was pushed from the internet. Would you say so with e-commerce growth? E-commerce was a big driver, uh, but but overall, I I would say it's been driven by um, a drive to lower cost. And and consumers were looking for lower prices. Um, Shareholders were were looking for higher returns. And, And then with... Um, other economies opening up, um, a lot of companies started to look outside and, and started to uh, look for places where uh, wages were lower, mm-hmm. uh, significantly lower, um, and, and also um, economies where uh, manufacturing capability started to build up. And, and yeah, as those countries became stronger in, in manufacturing, uh, more and more was being manufactured um, outside of the U.S. And in particular, China, um, yeah, a lot of manufacturing um, yeah, moved to, to China and, and is being done in China. But now, as you see, um, lab- wages go up in China and as well as, yeah, as, as markets become also more, more globalized and, and, and also in order to sell into a market. Um, very often you also now need to manufacture in that market. Um, and then in combination with yeah, you know, trade tensions, politics, um, it's, it's causing um, a lot of companies to, to rethink their supply chains. But, mm-hmm. but overall, it's, it's, been, it's very much been driven by just the pursuit of, of, of lower costs and, and, and having access to a, a broader labor pool um, um, access to materials um, and then facilitated by relatively cheap transportation. So it's uh, yeah, doesn't it's it's relatively low cost to to move uh, products from Asia to to North America, um, and and then also the yeah the desire in, uh, of of the, the consumer just in and uh, and the pursuit of, of of lower lower prices. Mm-hmm. So if we reshore, do you think prices will go up? Or if, if they do the right balance, will it you know, remain the same or be unaffected? It's, it, will, um, it will really be a, a balance because it's still, um, it's, it's hard to overcome still the, the wage uh, difference. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, 
In, in China, wages are roughly like $6 an hour. In the US, it's $40, $45 an hour. Um, so for, for like um, manufacturing labor. Um, so it really depends on the product, like how much, how much um, labor content is involved um, and, and how important also is it for, for the, the customer to, to um, being able to receive an, a product quickly. Because I think the, the, the benefit of, of reshoring is, is, is also that um, it provides companies with the ability to respond very quickly to, to customer demands and, and be a lot more responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but overcoming that, that, that wage gap, um, that is still a balancing act. And, and so I think what we'll, we'll see is that a lot of companies um, will start to diversify their supply chains. Um, so they'll, they'll produce in Asia, they'll produce um, in North America, including nearshoring, as well as, as, um, as in Europe. And then the term, the, depending on where the demand is and what the customer is actually exactly looking for, um, they can shift kind of production to where it makes sense based on kind of that right balance between cost and responsiveness. Okay. Do you think there that I know there's obviously technology involved in globalization because that's you know connecting the world easier. But when it comes to you know near shoring and reshoring, what do you see any technology trends in that fit in there? I mean, overarching. Um, the, the, the big technology trends are around digital technologies, right? So think about um, um, yeah, smart devices, so IoT, um, think about 3D printing, mm-hmm. um, think about cloud technology, uh, think about analytics, um, advanced, so uh, even machine learning, artificial intelligence. And, and so what, what these digital technologies allow you to do, companies to do, is to, to better understand and anticipate what customers and consumers are actually looking for. So it allows them to be a lot more precise in identifying like, oh, this product, um, we expect an increase in, in, in uh, demand. Um, but it, it also allows companies to start detecting disruptions at, at a much earlier stage. So think, for example, that a particular supplier is, is underperforming or has quality issues. Um, or you can see that there is a large hurricane coming or um, a snowstorm. And, and being able to redirect uh, materials as they're in transit. Um, but it's, it also allows customers to, to access a much wider range of customers mm-hmm. and, and potential sources of supply. So, uh, yeah, the technology trends allow um, companies to, be, um, to navigate more complex supply chains. It's, it allows them to be more flexible. Um, and then in combination with some of the um, uh, more flexible production techniques, so I mentioned 3D printing, uh, but overall you're starting to see um, that, um, that more small batch, so small quantity uh, production techniques are being introduced. And, and so what it allows you to do is to, to start producing in smaller quantities exactly where it's needed and, and when it's needed, as opposed to relying on like large factories 
that's re rely on a lot of economies of scale, so large volumes. And, and so you'll start to see a lot more distributed production um, environments that, that are a lot more responsive to specific customer needs. And, and, that, and, and those, those factories can be onshore, nearshore, or, or offshore. Okay. Yeah, so technology is um, a lot of technology trends and, and drivers are, are also influencing kind of the shape of supply chains of the future. Mm -hmm. Something that I just thought of um, as you were talking, the, you know, making to order, I guess, um, sort of things made me think of this. With direct to consumer growing in the, in the past few years, do you think that that has an impact on this as well? Yes, I mean, the, the direct-to-consumer and then the, the mass cust, um, customization so that, that you can uh, produce exactly what a particular customer um, is looking for um, is, is also um, driving actually a need to be closer to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in general, if you look, that um, consumers have become a, a, a lot less patient and it's no longer acceptable to wait a couple of weeks for, for an item to come. And you see that lead times are becoming shorter and shorter. Um, and, and, and that is requiring uh, companies to, shortening, uh, to shorten their lead times. Um, mm -hmm. So that can be done by producing closer by. It can be done by having more inventory or a combination of, um, of, 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 of those kind of techniques. Um, and that's where, for example, reshore or nearshoring is becoming attractive because you're, you're relatively nearby the, the end market. So, for example, producing Mexico to serve uh, the U.S. market is a way that you're relatively close. You can respond very quickly um, and, and you're able to, um, yeah, to um, also tailor an, a product or an order exactly to what, what the customer um, is, is looking for. I think um, just the amount of personalization that has come out uh, in the last, you know, decade um, has definitely probably thrown um, uh, manufacturers and brands for a loop. Uh, yes. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the times of that's, that's every, yeah, that you just had one product and, and one flavor. Um, I think that's over um, but and and it's providing a lot more variety to uh, to to customers. Um, but I, but at the same time, the economics are still important, right? So it's uh, scale is important, volumes are where you see the companies that's that are best at this. They're very kind of how they design a product. So from the outside, it all looks different. And, and, and different um, options and colors um, and variants, but at the core, it's still very much the same product. And, and then being very smart on kind of where you manufacture, that allows a company then to still provide that uh, personalized product and, and personalized experience, and, and still, um, but produce it in, and deliver it in, in a way that it's still econ economically yeah, beneficial. Um, and, and, and allows it to further grow kind of um, uh, revenue 
and, and profits. Yeah, it will be uh, interesting to see how this will happen in the near future with, you know, uh, COVID-19, how, you know, seeing when that will subside and all these new technologies coming out. I'm very excited to see where this will, will head in the future. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're seeing a real um, an acceleration right now um, of a lot of yeah, trends that were underway. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like a pressure cooker environment now, right? So that's, that's, you, you have some real macroeconomic trends. You have some really significant disruptions. Um, and, and then you also have a lot of technical innovations. And it's all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's an exciting time um, for in, to to be uh, to be working in, in supply chains, but it's also a lot of change. Right. Yeah, I think everyone is excited to see the change come and and is passionate about this area, especially right now. Um, well, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, you know, I, we loved hearing what you had to say. Um, and I'd love to reach out to you in the future. That was my, uh, my pleasure. And thank you for having me. All right. Um, no problem. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Amanda. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And thank you again to Mark for giving us all that good information. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for our traditional episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive, accompanied by more Link Educate episodes later on in the week to celebrate our 20th anniversary. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe on the Apple and Google playlist so you never miss an episode.